Beverly East, this is your Win Trade Global Talk. Over to Thank you. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. Pleasant greetings from snowy Washington, D.C. Strokes and Slants is a company that I started 30 years ago. And today I wanted to talk to you about the situation that we're all in. I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but I do want to bear some information to you. First of all, I want to give my deepest condolence to anyone in this group who has lost someone during the past few months. Today, I want to address your personal and professional vulnerabilities beyond your health. COVID-19 has caught us totally off guard and we weren't prepared. I still don't think the government really knows what they're doing right now. But we've come through wars and storms and hurricanes, and so I know that this too shall pass. Our economy has taken a beating, and when the economy changes, so does crime increase. Criminals don't sleep just because there's a pandemic. All they're doing is seeping their way through us. The past 10 months, they have just have been what you think the next move is in the loophole. There is always a loophole. And because we are distracted trying to keep our families together and make sure everybody stays safe, we take our eye off the price. So the areas that I'm going to address, the area of fraud that I work on is mongers. I look at money laundering. I look at mortgage fraud, insurance fraud. But today I'm going to cover the areas is testament, land transfers, government accounts, our beloved seniors, and restructuring your work environment. These are all areas where scammers will come. Your most personal wealth and vulnerabilities. My most common area in, uh, that I work in in the Caribbean, although I'm based in Washington, D.C., I do have an office in Kingsmaker and in London. But in my most work is in the Caribbean region. It's identifying wills and testaments. I'm going to ask you, I don't expect anybody to put their hand up and, and give me an answer, but think about your will and testament. As a person in business, actually secure, do you have your documents in order? And if not, why not? Sometimes we feel a little bit a vulnerable that oh, once I start thinking about my will, I'm going to die. We are going to get through this, but you should have your documents in order. You must make sure that when you write your will, that you have a lawyer that you're comfortable with. You leave the original will, so bring it home, put it in the safe at home, make sure the original will is in the outside of your house. Original will in the UK, I'm only speaking for the UK, only the original will can be probated. You have a living trust in the event that you get sick. Who is responsible for your well-being and your finances in that you are not, unable to do so? The reason why I'm speaking of this is because I work on wills and testaments all the time. One dies, two or three wills because somebody feels they didn't get what they should and so they retrace the will. 
Your usual suspects won't look like this. If they looked like this, we would always be on our guard. But unusual suspects look more like this. They are usually our family, co-workers, and former co-workers. We have this intimate relationship with these people that, of course, it's easy for them to infiltrate information about us. I'm going to talk a little bit about dormant accounts. If you have a savings account anywhere outside of the UK, in the UK, you must make it active, especially during this time now. Do them intermittently and randomly. If you are a manager in any financial institution, make sure that your staff members are all following the same rules in terms of accessing these accounts. Accounts are very vulnerable in the regard to internal banking scamming. And a lot of you would think, oh, this could never happen. 30% of the work that I do is looking at internal fraud within the banks. Just because you think you have money that is secure and tight somewhere, it's not necessarily that it is as secure as you think it is. Land transfer. If you live in one country, but you have property in another country, especially land. Um, Caribbean people, we still have land properties outside of the UK. And that land sits there. And although it belongs to you legally, somebody in that vicinity will find a way of how they can transfer that land that is necessary. They think you're never going to come back and build on that property. I know a lot of you might be thinking, no, this doesn't happen. It happens all the time. In fact, yesterday on my came in some documents with a land transfer. The person lives in New York, the property is in Jamaica, or the land is in Jamaica. And somebody has signed a signature on the document to put the transfer through. Our beloved seniors are vulnerable. So if you still are fortunate enough, I lost my mom three years ago, but if you're fortunate enough to still have your parents and they're living alone, you must be more observant, not just in their care, but those who are caring for them. Sometimes their documents, like their national ID information, is scanned and reused, their credit cards or their checks sometimes are stolen and used. So you have to be a little bit more diligent with our elderly. My mom, when she was alive, she lived in Lewisham. She her carer, her PIN number one day, just to get out. And she got very upset when I told her not to do that. But it's just little simple things that our elderly are so vulnerable. Sometimes it can even be their own children or members of the family who go in, they feel comfortable with that person, and then they begin to stifle off money. I've worked on many cases where elderly people, a gentleman, only son, siphoned off £10,000 off his mother's account. He was going to get the money anyway when she died. He just didn't wait until that time. Of course, then he tried to deny that he signed these signatures and saying his mom had signed over to him. 
That's one of many cases. Um, you must also be sure that they sign anything in front of a witness, someone that you trust. In the Caribbean, the X mark is showing up on a lot of documents. Legal in the Caribbean that you can sign with an X if you're unable to sign your full name, but the proper procedure, legal procedures, must be considered. So now we're working remotely. This is becoming our new normal. What is your company's standing operating procedures and how many employers should all be on the same page? It's important that we're all doing the same thing within our individual companies. Financial pressure is on. We've got to pay, do payroll. We've got to pay the rent space that we're using. So opportunities arrive, not only externally, internally within your company that someone will say oh miss so-and-so is not in the office four days a week i can siphon this money over here or i can push this money over here it's just temporary because i'm going to put it back when things go back to normal and this is their rationalization but when things come back to normal they've got themselves into such a, a mess with how much money that they have uh, siphoned off it's hard to put it back Unfortunately, crime pays. Global study on occupational fraud revealed that 42% of private companies are affected by occupational fraud. Companies lose on average of 5% of their revenue through fraud. The fraud activities studied lasted an average of 16 months before being detected. In Jamaica, my own experience is closer to three years. Creating fraudulent documents was one of the top methods, 55%. Altering physical documents was 48%. Yet only 4% of fraud are detected by document examination. It took an average of 18 months to be discovered. Very often, the un and unfortunately, it is the employer that you expect who commits the crime. Only 4% of the perpetrators have a prior conviction. The highest risk areas are males, personal age range of 36 to 50, employers with more than five years experience, the accounting department, the billing department, the check and paper tampering. Personnel with university degrees and higher education are usually the people most most internal fraud cases involve more than one person. So one person comes up with an idea and then it, uh, it sponges into something else. I worked on a case in Jamaica, a money laundering case, where originally I was asked to look at signature handwriting of five people. It mushroomed to 15 people. And in total, it was 30 people that were involved in siphoning money off the government. 85% of the cases were never punished or terminated for fraud. Most of the victims recover nothing. So I'm telling you this because it's important that you keep your eye on the price, look at your standing operating procedure, because there we call it wolf in sheep's clothing. I think from a song from Emmanuel Brand. So standard operating procedures. You must look at your interviewing process and the people that you are or coming into your company, especially now when we're working remote. We're Zooming a lot more, so you have to be mindful the information that you're giving out on Zoom.
you are disadvantaged on how to interact with your employees and colleagues. So keep your personal details personal. Do not have others sign on your behalf. I cannot repeat this enough. Do not have others sign on your behalf. It will come back and bite you where you don't want to have that situation. Give colleagues access to codes only you should have because you bother to get in your car and go where you're supposed to do. You ask somebody else to do it. And the next thing, you're doing it without your consent. Some of your colleagues are wolf in sheep's clothing. Your standard operating procedure must be reviewed now that we're working remotely. Every organization must review how work is conducted within each team and division and reevaluate it. I'm not sure. None of us know how long this COVID lock-in is going to last. So while we're in it, we are looking at loopholes. So reconstructure and review regularly. Do not put your signature on the internet. I see it all the time. People sign things and they send it to me. Don't put your signature on the internet. Recognize the patterns and the characteristics in your signature. That's a whole other seminar, I think, on showing you how to do it technically. Tell the teller if you're going into a bank and you can't get your money, tell the teller that your signature cannot be They're matching what they have on file, but your signature changes regularly. Do not sign blank forms and be careful who has access to your signature because there's a lot of digital post signatures, and paste of the signature. Do not accept calls at home or at work on your cell phone requesting personal information. So a lot of people are calling to get you to maybe get a loan or to give you some advice. There's that. They get you on the phone, they take information from you, and then they reconstruct it and use it. Wow. Scheming, crafty, aggressive, malicious people. They are out there plotting to get you. And I'm not trying to scare you. This is the work I do day in, day out. Be wise to them. So if someone calls you and asking you a lot of information, even good people now are calling and saying they're from Google and they want give you free advertising for your business. The small businesses are the people that they monitor first and then they work their way up to larger companies. So don't put yourself at risk by speaking to people on the phone who are telling you that they can help you. Although we're not doing much traveling right now, when you do start traveling, do not put your address on your luggage, neither on your carry-on or your suitcase. Just your email address and the cell phone number is sufficient. Do not leave your boarding pass as rubbish in the passenger seat. The barcode has too much information about you that is left behind. Nothing is as it seems. When in doubt, tell the truth. I really thank Dr. Thompson for allowing me to do this presentation. Of course, there is so much more I could talk about, but I just wanted to give you an overall picture of is that because I'm in contact with these kind of documents every day, I just want to give you an open eye to things that you might be doing without thinking and to stop doing those things like 
putting your signature on the internet. Thank you so much once again for listening and attending. And you back over to Dr. Yes, we're here. We're there. We're here. We're together. <laughs> Thank you for that very swift run through. I know you've cut it shorter because you felt that there was so much information that you thought you would probably go over, but you didn't at all. So we have a bit more time now for questions and answers. But first and foremost, I, I mean, I'd, I'd love to have a very quick chat with you about, you know, you obviously we met when you were in London, moved from London to Washington. How many years ago was that? Was that still to do with your forensic documents examination business? And are you ever coming back to London? Well, I come back to London every year. This is the first time in God knows 30 years I've not come back to London. I have a flat in Greenwich, so I come back often. When you met me, I was a graphologist. I was working as a handwriting specialist, analyzing for personality profiles. That's when you met me. Then I married a lawyer who gave me a document that was forged. I didn't know what I was doing. And he said, go back and study some more. So I transitioned and I'm glad I did because people are not hiring as much as they are stealing. So my company just propelled into a whole nother level. And then I went to Jamaica about 15 years ago to write a book and to do the research. And then I realized there was nobody on the island that had my expertise. I set up an office in Kingston. I think you, you mentioned somewhere along the line that you are the only female of color that's doing this. Did I get that right? Did I understand that? Yes, I um, was honoured by Flory Roberts as the the Trailblazer Award, the only woman of colour practising in both areas of handwriting expertise. And then in 2015, the Institute of Caribbean Studies honoured me again because there was still nobody there but me. Wow. wow. So very <laughs> unique, very unique, and you've managed to keep that mantle so what we need to do is encourage more young people to think about this area. As a of career, it. and it's very lucrative. I actually have a young woman who's taking her exam this month, actually, the end of this month, a young woman in Jamaica taking this exam. And I says, you'll be, we'll be able to oh, set up one day a black organization, me, you, and Robert, <laughs> the three of us. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been a lonely journey, but I've, really enjoyed the opportunities that have been offered to me and now we're looking at a tv show just a whole lot of things that are coming my way and i have a i have a book on document examination that will be out next month whose signature is it anyway fantastic fantastic so we've probably got about 15 minutes left to do some q a there have been some questions and some comments dr glenna crooks who is also in america is online and would like to come on and ask you a question. So, Dr. Glenn, I'd love to see you. Thank Hello. you for joining. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, Philadelphia and Washington. So and I'll Washington. see you there sometime when we can join together again after this pandemic. I have a question for you about I, one of the things I noticed is that as the pandemic has gone on and I have increasingly used my computer rather than writing. When it actually comes time to write my signature, 
I find, I'm finding it more difficult to write. And I'm finding that my signature seems to be changing a bit, which makes sense. It's a motor skill and I'm not using it very much. So what happens in your work in really truly being able to identify um, whether it's a person's signature changing over time? You know, are you seeing that? Is that something in your field that you're concerned about? Yes, we look at signatures and how they change. But what you're looking at as the layperson is not what we're looking at as the expert. Oh, we're wow. looking sub, we're looking at habitual writing patterns. So although pictorially it might look like it's changing, if you next time you sign your name and then a couple of days later you sign your name, the possible width where you started and where you finished might be the same. It most likely will be the same. The height of your signature most likely will be the same. The formation of the letters may change, but the habitual writing patterns will remain very similar. Okay. And that is not what the forger is looking at. There is a baseline, what we call the imaginary baseline. When we measure that, that is what will determine whether it is an authentic signature or not, one of the components of it. So there is a lot of technical detail that we're looking at. You're looking at it pictorially. And we're looking at it technically. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, thank you for that question, Glenn. One of our um, regulars. Fantastic. Seeing you again soon. Thank you. Take care. Ingrid, can you come online? Uh, Jim, is does, um, not using signature online extend to emails as well? If you're using your email, and you are signing your name, it can be digitally removed from one message to another that you have not authorized. Wow. Can be done. So just don't sign it. You can send an email and says, Beverly, Glenda, Yvonne, whatever. Just don't sign it. Just don't put a signature there. If you do put a signature, if you have to put a signature on a document, Whatever is below the line, say, for instance, it says uh, uh, authorizer or whatever, the manager, the president, make sure your signature goes through the printed word below your signature. That way you can't doctor it as easily because the printed font is in the way of the signature. If you have to sign something for the bank or something and you, that's the only way they will accept it, make sure signature goes into the font into the line wow thank you very much and I, I, I know everybody's so innocent and they think this never happens this happens all the time i've also heard that some scammers suggest you check with your bank, uh, but they keep the line open so that you, when you phone they pick it up yeah but just don't speak to them just don't speak to them. As soon as they call in and introduce themselves, you hang up because even if you're not speaking, they're able to take the information from your phone. You can your phone number in into another phone and call people and pretend they're you. So hang up. If you've not applied for a loan, there's no need for you to be speaking to somebody who's telling you they're going to give you a loan. <laughs> there's no need to be speaking to them. 
This applies to mobiles as well as landlines or just mobiles? Especially mobiles, especially mobiles. But just for other things, I mean, medical, they've found a way to infiltrate everybody. You know, like my mom would get a call about her prescription and she hadn't been to the doctor to get a prescription. They just get you on the line and they find a way of how to infiltrate you. So my mom was 91 when she died and the TV license people, or supposedly somebody's TV license was calling her to say, they, she could just pay her TV license on the phone if she just went and got a credit card. And luckily, my mom is quite astute, and she says, well, I thought you don't have to pay for TV after 75 or something like that. And she goes, I'm a 90-year-old woman. And I says, don't entertain them. I says, don't entertain them on the phone. But it's just that kind of thing, you know, that they try to hear. They use the tax, the IRS. It's like, if you owe the IRS any money, you can call this number and we can help you. And nearly everybody in America owes the IRS something. But just <laughs> ignore them. Just ignore them and go to the IRS. Somebody said yesterday on a Zoom, if it doesn't say .gov at the end of the email, don't respond to the email if it comes to you as an email. So if it doesn't have the appropriate government division of the email, Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks very much. I felt this morning when I was giving this presentation that I felt like I'm the angel of doom and gloom. <laughs> I just feel like I wanted to open the eyes of people because we're all in this fog together. And before, before COVID, I was overwhelmed with work. So now in COVID, when we think of all these sudden deaths people are experiencing, illness, all this stuff. We're also vulnerable and our eyes have been taken, shifted off our wealth or our finances. Now we're focusing on our health, washing our hands, drinking this, taking and then we've got money in the bank that's been signed off by people who are dishonest. About two years ago, I had to testify for three days in the witness stand and I was under witness protection because the case was so volatile that they thought something could happen to me and so I was in this witness protection and for four days I just felt like my life wasn't my own. I'd go in the witness stand every day and talk about the documents that were forged and then every night I'd be whisked off into a hotel and couldn't speak to anybody and it was just the worst possible time. I mean it was exciting in the sense that I knew all the documents had been forged but I just thought my life was just a very vulnerable place. But we won. Last year, we won that case. Brilliant. 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 Catherine M says, what about Adobe sign documents? Are they safe? Oh, because I get a lot of Adobe documents and then I, I'm not going to tell you how I do it, but I can dismantle the signature from the documents. A lot of lawyers send me documents by Adobe. And then we have to move the signature to make the exhibits. So, no, they're not. Oh. I, but I, I, I'm not going to go into how. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, no, they're not, they're not safe. They're not safe. Okay. Well, listen, believe it or not, we are up on the hour. So for those of you who didn't get your comments or your questions through, what I will do now is just 
ask Beverly to give us some parting words. My parting words would be that this too shall pass. Most of us in our lifetime that have been through something awful and we are resilient and we mm. will get most definitely human beings are resilient we so. are resilient i mean i had to go into a dark place and think about what was the worst time in my life and how did i get through it and it was much worse than what i'm going through now in covid so that has kept me very positive touch wood i haven't lost anybody through covid yet i've lost two family members from other things from cancer but not through covid so all stay strong and this too shall pass Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Thompson, for allowing me to do this today. No, it's been amazing, absolutely fantastic and fascinating subject. And it's something that we all need and we should all be aware of. We don't do it enough. We're not cautious enough with things that we put online. I mean, I, I can say I'm, you know, I'm guilty of that. I know some members of my family just won't go, not even near a, a webcam because... <laughs> because they're so conspiratorial, which might well be true, that they think, and having said that, it wasn't too long ago, I think I saw an article about do not leave your webcams on because people can access your living room and see what you're doing via your webcam. Well, we know they can. We've seen it in movies, and I know it's true. You know, some things in the movies you can't believe, but that one I think you can. So you're advice has been strong and very good for us all so thank you so much thank you very much thank you thank you, thank you. Bye -bye. Bye -bye. Bye -bye.